Hi, I'm Ian, co-founder of Dig Insights and president of Dig's innovation insights platform, Upside. Welcome to Dig In. Dig In is the place to stay up to date on what's happening in the world of innovation, research, and technology, to find inspiration from today's business and innovation leaders, and to properly dig into hot topics that matter for consumer brands right now. And when applicable, we'll bring our own research to that conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Dig In. Today, I am joined by Clota Forbes, uh, who is the Senior Director of Human Insights from Coca-Cola. I'm so excited to be chatting with her today. She's spent the last 23 years at Coca-Cola within the Innovation and Research Departments. Uh, today, we are going to talk about how she's gotten to where she is within her career, what she loves about you know, blending innovation and insights and um, using the cre- creative side of her brain as well as the analytical side of her brain and what good innovation research looks like. Cloda, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Hi, Megan, thanks. Good to How are you me. doing today? I'm good, I'm good, thank you. Awesome. Um, all right, let's get right into it. So tell me a little bit about how you got into consumer insights or research. Yes, sure, I'd be happy to. Actually, my career spans longer than the 23 years I've been with Coca-Cola. Um, I've actually been about 27, 28 years in total in the industry um, and slightly non-traditional route to where I am or where I've gotten to today. I started my career in Boston working for a very small uh, research company called Marketing and Planning Systems. Um, We've learned a lot there, very analytical, a bunch of really smart people. So that was where I cut my teeth in research. Um, really enjoyed that and learned a lot along the way. And I moved from there to Nielsen. I actually moved from Boston to Atlanta uh, because of the warmer weather. And I joined Nielsen and they put me on site at, at Coca-Cola um, as a, a key account uh, executive. And I stayed with them for four years. So actually a couple of those years in between or overlapping between Nielsen and Coca-Cola. But again, it was a very analytical type of um, job or role that I had with Nielsen. And even when I first joined Coca-Cola, it was again in that analytical space um, using a lot of the knowledge I'd built up in my first two roles. Um, And so I worked in the North America OU for about eight years and eventually saw an opportunity to move into the global team and work for an individual there that became a mentor and friend for many, many years. Um, I started doing more uh, consumer research, segmentation, portfolio work, that sort of thing. But he actually saw something in me that I did not necessarily see in myself. Um, And he saw this creative, innovative side of of my personality. And he really wanted to push me in that direction. So he literally threw me into a new role um, and gave me a fantastic opportunity to work on a team that we used to call Igniter. And we actually licensed the approach for uh, innovation and creative thinking from What If, which are based in the UK, fantastic organization. And for five years, I actually worked on our global Igniter team, uh, doing training courses on creativity and innovation and running workshops, which was the part that I loved the the most. 
and literally traveling the world helping the business solve um, sticky challenges as the what if guys would say. And I love this space so much that I actually decided to go back to college and do a graduate degree in innovation and change leadership in the University of Buffalo of all places. And I swore I would never go back into research. So I started in research, very analytical, kind of dabbled a little bit in, in the, the, the softer side of consumer insights and then jumped straight into this innovation space. And I loved it. Um, and unfortunately you can't always carve out your own path. And um, he left the company, my, my mentor left the company and my, my direct boss also left the company. And our little team ended up being disbanded. And my new boss said to me, well, you know, you've done research for most of your career. Surely it's like riding a bicycle. You could just hop back into it. And I didn't really want to, I'll be totally honest. I really love this space of innovation and creativity, but I thought I, I should give it a try. So he sent me on an assignment to Japan for six months just to see, again, could I get back on the bicycle and, and do research like I had done before. And um, what I noticed about myself was I, I feel like my brain was almost rewired. So having spent so many years working in innovation on the Igniter team, I looked at things completely differently and I applied that to um, research. And so I am probably one of the most non-traditional researchers around, I think, uh, based on that experience. And I'm constantly looking for different new, new uh, unique ways to solve our research and business challenges as a result. Um, and coming out of that experience in, in uh, Japan, which was phenomenal, uh, the, the company moved me to South Africa. I spent five years there leading the insights team uh, for Southern, Eastern, Central Africa, which I absolutely loved. Um, and I loved Africa as well, and eventually came back to the US and now I'm working on the global team. Um, I'm lucky enough to be in a position where I'm doing global human insights, which is uh, extremely interesting, but my current boss recognized my passion for innovation and so has given me a transversal second hat um, to start working on innovation as well, which I greatly love and appreciate. Oh my gosh, that is the coolest story. <laughs> you have such an interesting background, that mix of innovation and insight. I mean, obviously they're incredibly linked. It's not as if they're like miles and miles apart, but talk to me a little bit about, you talked about, you know, your favorite part of innovation was often running those workshops. Like, what was it that you loved about running those workshops or what excited you about innovation in general? It was, I think it was the, cre the creativity and the creative aspect of um, bringing, marrying insights with, um, with the, the, the whole innovation process, which can be a little bit um, stagnant, let's say, or a little bit uh, challenging to, to work through because of all the stages and gates and all the different types of um, inputs that you need, all the stakeholders. It's not necessarily the most agile um, of processes or approaches probably in any organization. So I love the fluidity and the, and the creativity of being able to 
um, bring a human lens into uh, a business perspective and really ideate and generate um, solutions from that. So it was more about the process, I think, more so than the outcomes themselves, even though these types of approaches and, and uh, workshops are very highly productive and you do end up with um, newer thinking and probably, I would say, better innovations in the long run. But it was more about the, the process and obviously working with people, super, super fun um, to guide people through this type of approach as well. And what, um, what do you think you kind of borrow from that analytical side? I guess, I guess the question is kind of um, twofold. Like, what do you feel like you borrow from that, like research or like analytical side of your brain to be excellent at kind of working on problems within innovation? And what do you borrow from that creative side of your brain to sort of bring to the research world? Yeah, really, really good question. It's probably one of the fundamentals as well of essentially what's a design thinking method or approach. And that's the um, expansive thinking and then reductive thinking because the expansive thinking is, is highly, highly needed um, in order to push people to go beyond the obvious, to bring in new insights, um, new inspiration, um, et cetera. But the reductive part of that gets back to the practicality of what can we actually execute within an organization um, and then making sure that we're putting a consumer lens on top of that. So if you just go expansive for the sake of expansive, you'll be in um, blue sky mode all the time and you'll never land. You need to land something. So when you talk about expansive thinking, you mean like figuring out where the white space is or like figuring out what the next big idea is. Is that what that means? Yes. Yeah. Expansive okay. thinking. Okay. Exactly. So blue sky thinking essentially. And that's really the, I think that's one of the biggest um, reasons that you would, would use this type of approach, call it design thinking or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, you are looking for out of the box thinking. It's that, it's that, that old um, adage that we talk about the out of the box thinking, which Edward de Bono um, actually came up with. So what does that actually mean? And you can't constantly be in that expansive mode. You ultimately have to land back in something that is um, executionable within the organization, something that actually is feasible that we can produce and bring to market otherwise um, it's just creativity for creativity's sake. And we used to always talk about that. Be really careful to, to not do things just for creativity's sake. It actually has to have a practical element as well. So that nice marriage of the analytics as well as the creativity is, I think, the perfect blend. Yeah, it's so funny as a marketer, when you talk about, you know, creativity for creativity's sake, that's why so many marketers are incorporating research within kind of their day-to-day -day because you can have these big exciting ideas but you know if they don't have legs when it comes to what matters for your business or if they're not you know as you said executable um yep. then it doesn't really matter so I totally get why having that experience kind of being steeped in innovation and that process and then bringing the rigor of research to that was was really useful I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about Coke. Um, so yeah, you, you've been there for over 20 years in lots of different roles and different places. Um, obviously, you've always had kind of a consumer focus or consumer insights focus. 
what do you think has has kept you at Coke? Um, what is it about the company that makes you want to continue working there? Yeah, that's a great question. And it, it's 23 years and counting. And I will put that out there officially um, because we've had recently had a, a pretty big um, restructure and um, where the company is going is 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 absolutely what I, I, I think is the right thing and I fundamentally believe in. And, it, you know, it's a combination of the brand and love of working for one of the world's most iconic brands. I love the brand. I love the people. And you can imagine over the last 23 years, there's been lots and lots of changes um, with the types of people or the actual individuals that I've worked with. Um, but I think there has been a lasting thread through the culture where for me personally, and everybody has their own individual journey and experience, but for me personally, I've had nothing but the most amazing opportunities um, to expand um, my roles, to go to different parts of the world, to work on different projects um, and grow and, and, and learn as an individual. Um, and so that's why I'm still here because I'm still learning and growing and being given amazing opportunities and there are more on the horizon. Yeah, you. I mean, that sounds sounds amazing. Um, I'm literally drinking a Coke right now. <laughs> I'm a Diet Coke <laughs> Thank addict. Thank you. <laughs> Self-confessed self Diet Coke <laughs> addict. You know, we talked a little bit, we touched on the fact that you had a mentor and that you've had several mentors over the years. Like, what do you feel like you've, what, what have you learned from those people um, throughout your journey at Coke that, you know, really sticks out in your mind as things that you'll continue to carry on into your roles? Yeah, I think, I think that, the, so that one mentor I, I mentioned um, that intervened, I'd say pretty early on in my career, really made me realize that um, you need somebody like that, that will help guide the way, because I was in this um, space of, of doing analytics and I could do it very well, by the way, because I had worked at Maps. I moved into Nielsen. I worked for eight years in the North America team doing analytics and I was good at it, but he saw something completely different in me, um, through my personality and some other, some other interactions that we had. And so he gave me a chance. He gave me an opportunity. I wasn't really, um, I guess the, the cookie cutter, person that you would ordinarily think of putting into that type of creative role onto a team that would frankly be training other people how to be creative. Um, and he gave me a fantastic chance because he saw something in me. So I've taken that with me as I've managed and mentored people over the last 10 years myself to look for sparks, to look for for different talents and different skills and give people an opportunity and push them a little bit, um, not in a bad way, but build a belief in themselves um, like he did with me. And I think that's, he's probably one of the, the main reasons that I have stayed so long with the organization. I've had such a fantastic experience. Unfortunately, he's no longer with the company and left quite a few years ago, um, but his, uh, his mentorship and friendship really um, crafted who the person I am today. And I try to give that back to people who work for me and people that I've mentor. It's great to hear that that's something that you kind of take with you when you're, you're mentoring others. You mentioned that Coke has been through a restructure. Um, I know I read that they sort of consolidated a ton of their brands. So they went from kind of 400 brands 
down to about 180 in the last 18 months. Can you speak a little bit about, you know, why that is? Yes, yes, sure. Um, and this is uh, very widely known um, and, and something the company has been very transparent about. Um, and the, the timing of this accelerated a little bit because of COVID, but it was already in the plans prior to that. Um, and it was the idea that we just had too many global brands. It was actually 450. Uh, the ambition was to reduce the number down to 100. We got to 180, which I think is a really good um, place. And so there are obviously definitely still regional brands that are very relevant in certain parts of the world, but the ambition was to reduce the number of brands that we were managing. Um, a, because it's just unmanageable for our bottling system and our, our uh, system in general to um, pay attention to all of those brands equally and, and allow them to flourish and thrive. But the other thing was to make room and make space for um, new innovation um, and that's actually one of the things I think I mentioned earlier, my, my new boss has um, done for me, which I really appreciate. She sees my passion for innovation and has allowed me to work on a cross-functional team that's working on literally that, the rewiring of innovation at the Coca-Cola company. And that's a pretty exciting uh, project to be working on right now. You kind of talked a little bit about innovation, obviously, and how you're one of the go-to people within the organization for you know, thinking about research within innovation a little bit differently. Um, what about that role or like approaching innovation research or research in general from kind of a non-traditionalist view? What about that do you really like? Yeah, well, there's a couple of things. So um, this cross-functional team I mentioned, um, they came to me and said, we'd like your input and advice and guidance on how we can rewire innovation within the organization and research and consumer input is a critical part of that. So um, for me, it was great because they said, we ultimately the goal for the organization is to get to fewer, bigger, better uh, bets or innovations. And so we've been quite transparent and opened about um, our prior record of what we call zombies. And that actually is a word that comes directly from our CEO, James Quincy. So um, how do we have less zombies and more, fewer, bigger, better? Um, and I think- What is a zombie? Sorry to interrupt you. What does a zombie no. mean? So a zombie is basically, um, you know, flavor extension or an innovation or a launch that basically doesn't really work, frankly. Um, you know, we, we will look at the, the sales of, of a new launch over you know, at least a two-year period. And if it's not growing and building over that period of time, and it's it's basically bottomed out, it's in the long tail, that's what we call it, it's, it's, um, it's a zombie. So it's a zombie, meaning it's not really playing the role that we wanted it to um, from an innovation perspective, and it's not working in the market. Within the organization, people talk about zombies, and we're not talking about the walking dead. So yeah, our, <laughs> it's our non-performing, it's our non-performing innovation. So we we are trying to eliminate the the number of zombies, our zombies completely, and get to fewer, bigger, better. And one of the ways to do that is obviously look at the type of um, consumer insights that we're getting, the type of research that we're utilizing all the way along the stages and gates process, which is still there. It's not going anywhere. 
Um, but the one thing that I loved going back to your question about why, um, why this is interesting and what I love about it is that they are allowing me and the cross-functional team to experiment a little bit with um, new methods and new approaches. So we're looking for things that are not just tried and true, um, but also maybe faster, more effective, um, um, agile, cost-effective, um, less time, resources, et cetera. So they're, they're allowing me to experiment a little bit, which is what I absolutely love, and do some, do some pilots, to figure out if we can look for different ways. I would say better ways in some respects, different for sure. Um, it doesn't mean that our big partners, I don't, I don't want anybody who's a current partner of ours um, in innovation testing to go, oh my gosh, what are Coca-Cola doing? It doesn't mean that we are not gonna use some of the existing approaches and methods that we have used for a long time, we still will. But sometimes you need an agile approach. Sometimes you need to do something differently, you need to do something faster or cheaper. And that's kind of been my brief, which has been super exciting because it's this nice combo of um, new methods and techniques, something that's quite agile, a little bit of um, divergent thinking, and then trying to land on something where um, we see value for the organization. Yeah, so it's almost about um, well, I'm sure there is an element of cutting, <laughs> cutting you know, parts of your staging out, but um, or sorry, cutting some of the research that you do at each staging out, but it's almost about expanding um, and like expanding yeah. the different tools that you have access to, uh, so which more, is- More options, different options, exactly. It's yeah. Toolkits, that's exactly right. Oh, really cool. Um, so if we look at, you know, those solutions that you were talking about or, you know, different ways of, of getting to consumer insights maybe more quickly or more cost-effectively. How do you select what tools or what solutions you're gonna use? You, do you have a checklist? Um, what's the criteria for like a quote, good new research tool? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And there isn't really a checklist per se. There are some key objectives, like I said, things that are um, new, unique, uh, faster or efficient, um, both in terms of resource and, um, and funding. Um, but as, as we're scoping out the pilots, and that's what we're doing really is, is scoping out pilots at each gate and testing a few things. So each gate are gonna have a different set of objectives for the pilots, um, things that we want to learn. Um, and as a result, once we're done with the pilots, we, it's not just me and my own, it's definitely a cross-functional team of individuals. We will sit down together and say, okay, this particular solution meets our needs because of X, Y, Z. So that would be gate one or gate zero. There'll be a different yeah. set of criteria and objectives for gate two and same thing for gate three. So it's not just a single checklist. Actually, the thing here is that it's actually, the framework itself is flexible, agile. We're learning as we, um, are driving the, the bus, let's say. Um, and that's, I like that level of spontaneity and flexibility as well. That's why um, this type of project really excites me. Yeah, as, as you were talking, I mean, I'm quite familiar with the staging or the gates, but I've just realized that many of the people tuning in might not be. Is that something you could talk about in terms of yeah. the way that you approach innovation and what those gates yeah. mean? 
Yeah, and this is not something um, specific to Coca-Cola. I think many organizations use this type of approach, but uh, basically gate zero or gate one is the initial idea, seed ideas, we call them. Um, and uh, it can be a territory, it can be um, something specific to an individual brand or category. And we use a tool um, to help us with initial screening, just to see if there's some uh, initial response and interest from consumers. The next gate will be where we've done much more concept and product development work. Um, a lot of the time we do them separately, which isn't ideal. One of the things we're gonna try and do now is, is do that together or do that together more often. Um, and so developing the concept that will most appeal to consumers that is based on the initial idea. And then obviously giving a brief to R&D so that they can create the product. Sometimes R&D already have products ready. And so it's just a match of the, the concept um, that's resonating with consumers with the product that we already have because R&D is constantly innovating and doing work. They're not waiting for us. And then um, the third gate is really looking at, um, is it ready for launch? And in many cases, depending on the market, also looking at things like volume forecasting and um, some of the key metrics that are important for us prior to actually giving uh, something the, the go ahead for launch. So that's roughly what the three gates are. That's really cool. And then, so the idea is that you would have different, like a different toolkit for each yes. gate. Yes, correct. Okay. What do you think the future holds uh, within consumer insights? And then I guess within maybe research and innovation in general? Yeah. Um, so that's, that is, there is a distinction there between consumer insights and human insights. Um, are, there is a group that is definitely looking at the consumer and consumer insights in the more, let's say, traditional way from the perspective of um, consumer tracking um, and um, in-market performance. Um, the human insights team in particular, and this is something that our CMO is quite interested in, we want to use um, new, and, new and different methods and approaches to, to get to human understanding. So cultural anthropology, behavioral science, mind science in general, including neurosci uh, uh, neuroscience. We use all of those approaches um, and methods because um, understanding the full, the, the human um, gives you the context of why a behavior happens. Because if you don't understand behavior in context, then you're kind of missing part of the picture. So it's not just about the consumption of our beverage. It's about everything connected to a human being and what motivates them or what drives them. Because if you have that understanding, we can actually, um, I think, provide our marketing teams and our category teams with better insights. So that's why we're called and rebranded human insights. It's, it's a definite, definite distinction there. I think um, in the future, I think there'll just be more of that. We'll, we will try to continue to be um, on the cutting edge I don't know um, if um, our, our counterparts in, in other parts of the FMCG, um, CPG industries would recognize Coca-Cola as being on the cutting edge, but I definitely think that we are in terms of the type of research uh, methods and approaches. We get feedback from our agency partners all the time that we are um, blazing a trail when it comes to methods and approaches and getting to new insight that helps drive uh, value for our business partners. So I hope that we see more and more of that. 
Um, and yeah, I think that that'll impact, hopefully over time, you'll see uh, fewer, better, bigger innovations coming out of the Coca-Cola company, which will be driven by this, uh, this need for human insight. I love that distinction. I think it's really interesting. We actually had uh, someone named Walid who works out of the Canadian office um, uh, for Coca-Cola on the podcast last week. And he was talking about, um, you know, really getting a sense of the human and how that's so important given how much things are changing these days. Like consumer behavior has changed so rapidly uh, in terms of consumption, in terms of, you know, the way that they purchase, in terms of what they care about. So um, yes, and I, Walid is one of my colleagues. So yeah. Oh, amazing. Very well. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's awesome. Thank you so much, Cloda. This has been super interesting. Um, to put you on the spot a little bit, <laughs> I'm gonna ask you to finish up with maybe like a piece of advice for anyone who's working in innovation or um, within within research, uh, kind of at the beginning of their career. What would you leave them with? Yeah, I think for maybe an individual at the beginning of their career, um, I think that the key is try and get as many experiences as you can, stretch yourself into different functions or departments within your organization. It will only serve you well down the road. So, um, you know, continue to just look for ways to stretch your own brain. And the way I call it is I've remapped and rewired my brain as a result of all of the different types of roles that I've had. And I would advise anybody to try and do something like that as well. It will definitely bode well for a long and fun and interesting career. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, we will be back next week with another episode, but for now we're gonna say goodbye. Coda, it was such a pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Dig In. If you want more information about Dig Insights or Upside, please check us out on LinkedIn or at our websites at diginsights.com or upside.com. If you have any ideas for future episodes or would like to be a guest, please feel free to direct message me through the LinkedIn app.